Welcome back to Tricks of My Trade. I'm really fortunate today to have an internal member of the team uh, on our podcast. That is Carol Loftus, who is a senior manager stroke consultant with the Gap Partnership. Carol joined TGP in 2021 as a senior negotiation expert. She has a huge background in healthcare sector uh, where she brings over 12 years of experience managing very complex client relationships. She worked in specialty sales. She worked in home infusion specialty pharma space. Um, she also worked through the diplomat specialty pharmacy, through Novo Nordics, through Amgen, uh, and many other specialty manufacturers. Prior to TGP, she headed up the U.S. Western region as the area director of managed care with Diplomat Specialty Pharmacy, and now we are fortunate enough to have her as a significant leader on our team. Carol, thanks for making the time. Absolutely, Mike. Great to be here. So let's jump in. Tell us a little bit about life before the GAP partnership. Yeah, so I studied psychology at the University of Arizona, and that's in Tucson, grew up in Arizona. Um, and like many, I worked a few separate jobs to fund my way through college. And one of my favorite roles when I think back in my career was working with our local Warner Brothers affiliate as a sales coordinator. Um, now, don't get me wrong, this was your typical college job that you get loaded down with a lot of the grunt work, um, but I really loved the variety. I had an opportunity to work with our production department um, to get involved in some really creative projects for local clients and national clients. Um, I worked with the sales team, but most memorable, I worked with the other Carol in our office, and that was Carol Lefebvre. She was our CEO, and boy, was she a bulldog. She was about five foot nothing, and when she came into the room, she would light the place up with laughter. Um, a few moments later, we would walk into the boardroom and go into a negotiation, um, some pretty negotiations around ad space placement with national accounts, like Pepsi, for example. Now, she had this incredible ability to get what was best for the station, all while compelling the client that it was also best for them. Now, the Gap Partnership, we call this letting them have your way. She understood people. She was firm, but very approachable. People respected her. And uh, some of my favorite work was with her um, on something we called our local nonprofit partnership. So she identified some dead space that we'd have um, throughout the 24 hour period. And we'd usually just drop in free PSAs that filled that space that wasn't sold. And she saw this time as valuable. And she knew that it could be traded instead of purchased if it wasn't purchased. Um, so Carol developed a barter program that local and national accounts um, would actually sponsor in the time and partner with our local nonprofits to build relationships amongst the community, but also um, a stronger, deeper relationship with the client. And there was a lot of value that came out of this idea. And all in all, um, we found that conditional trading was something that was very easy. And we found something that was low cost um, that was valuable to the other parties involved. Um, now, this might not be something new um, to the ad space, but at my age and at the place I was in my professional life, it really set off a light bulb for me. That was a great contrast to what I had traditionally seen as a win or walking away from that negotiation table as the winner. Wow, that's very cool. That's a, a very interesting story. And we're certainly molded by the people that we surround ourselves with in our professional life. Um, I can say on behalf of TGP, we're glad you're the only Carol. 
on our <laughs> on our America's team. Carol, is there a defining moment that shaped the path you've taken? Ooh, tough question. Um, there have been several defining moments if I think back over the years, and I've certainly taken several paths as well. Um, in the context of where I am today, one memory comes to mind, um, and that was watching my mom as a young young girl um, who was raising three kids alone as a widow. And um, we decided to take a trip down to a car dealership, and she walked onto that lot, and I watched her completely get taken advantage of. Now, this memory really stuck with me. Um, being a child and not really knowing much about life or people, um, the experience just felt uncomfortable. I remember feeling uneasy and very much like this person we were talking to is that kind of wolf in sheep skin idea. I could see that they were using her vulnerability and financial circumstances to influence and diminish her confidence. I watched it impact her view of her options. They were nice, but instinctually I felt um, what I now know as a lack of trust. Um, interaction took away from her power or her empowerment. She didn't have the information she needed, like a lot of buyers, frankly, when they walk onto the lot, which can influence their and her real and perceived alternate options that are available. So as I grew up, um, I always referenced this memory and swore that I would never be in that vulnerable situation. I saw her in that day. Her circumstances dictated what options that she had. She needed that transportation and she lost a lot of power in the situation, which ultimately led her to believing that she was lucky to get, quite frankly, a crappy loan that led her down a financial path and held her down for years to come. So, you know, would I say that this wasn't a fair interaction? Yes, of course, but this happens every day. And I think that it's important to realize that we know nothing in life is fair. Um, it was more about being prepared. Um, having the information you need when you walk onto that lot and understanding what your options are and the confidence to walk away if it's if it's not in your best interest to make that deal. So I moved into life with kind of that hard bargaining mentality, but I've seen that there's a lot of gray and there's a lot of rationale behind the behaviors and how we show up to a situation. That's a significant story and certainly impactful, uh, not just for you, obviously, at the age that you were, but for anyone that's listening to this podcast. You talked about a couple of things that obviously we we hammer home. One of them is the lack of trust and this idea that if you don't have enough information, you can lose what is perceived power, um, which certainly is the case. So my next question for you is along the lines of power and negotiation. How have your negotiation skills evolved? I wouldn't say necessarily that um, my approach has changed or evolved since joining the Gap Partnership, but instead, I would definitely say I've gained a better understanding of how and why I've approached certain negotiations in different ways in my career. Um, an example of that would be, you know, I've instinctually always been comfortable driving a hard bargain um, in my personal life, and I never shy away from those firm, hard bargaining situations, especially with those car dealers. Now, the behavioral approach really supports why we do what we do, and I've started to see and understand the appropriateness of how we show up to our negotiations and how that drives the outcome, um, to maximize the outcome, to maximize the relationship, the opportunities for value. 
Um, and in those hard bargaining situations where there's no dependency or relationship or frankly need for trust, I like many, um, when I moved into a more collaborative environment, found it uncomfortable to maintain that firmness and have that same level of confidence or presence in the room um, in a partnership environment. So I would often swing too far the other direction and make unnecessary concessions for the wrong reasons. Let's be honest, I mean, most of us enjoy pleasantries, right? The back and forth, things that make us comfortable um, in those low conflict environments. But what I found that is I'm more comfortable um, with discomfort than I used to be. And just to pivot away from your, your skill as a leader within our business world, you're also, you hold down a job where you have a team and you have to be seen as the leader and you you are a leader within the GAP partnership internally. So my next question is around, what do you think the most important things within leadership are? Yeah, um, I've had a lot of amazing leaders in my career, um, great mentors, um, colleagues. And when I look back, some of the people that were most impactful in my life have not always been a leader, quote unquote, but people that really have the ability to shine and um, get you excited. Um, So when I look at my role, and the values that we represent here at the GAP Partnership, um, being brilliant um, is for me the ability to be vulnerable. So we have the opportunity to do so many different things in our roles um, as a consultant um, in developmental roles, trying new things, learning alongside your team, being comfortable with the journey to excellence does not happen overnight. And if you can model this behavior, it's likely that others are going to feel comfortable and safe to do the same. Um, I've always been able to intrinsically feel kind of what right and wrong is. Now, I know that's extremely subjective, but from my standpoint, I feel that most people try to do the right thing, um, but sometimes those choices are challenging. Um, It can be as simple as asking more questions to better understand someone's personal circumstances. Maybe standing up when no one else will um, to address behavior that can be counterproductive to building a productive environment where people can learn, grow, um, collaborate um, in a safe environment. And I think working in a team has always been rewarding for me um, because I like winning together. I like solving particularly challenging problems together. Um, Having that variety of thought, um, multiple perspectives really makes life and work more interesting. You go that extra mile um, and you can see that there is a common purpose amongst the team to get to that goal and understanding that each person is going to be unique, right? And their desire to achieve the goal. Each person may have and require different skills and they might need different support to thrive and excel as a part of that team. Completely agree. And I I love the way you tied it into the values that we share internally. You talked about being brilliant, doing the right thing and and operating as one team. And you tied in being vulnerable to all three. And I I think that's a very important part of it and certainly a very important part of leadership. What's the best thing about your role at TGP? Since I joined the GAP Partnership, I think coming on board and and having such, I I feel like a strong uh, background and drive in healthcare, I have really loved learning something new every single day along the people uh, that I work with. So when you look at our team, we have so many brilliant creative people that are driven um, and they have a variety of backgrounds. 
So I get to learn from people that have uh, experience in oil and gas, um, in tech, in consumer goods. Um, and we have a chance to share knowledge. And I think for me, developing myself while I work alongside my team um, and sharing, again, what I've learned with them, um, each interaction that we have, whether it's the client or the internal team, the ability to see a team member or a client um, set themselves up with a new skill set, practice, and see improvements to become more confident and efficient in their negotiations. That's what really gets me out of bed every day in this role. Well, it sounds exciting. I'd like to work for you. <laughs> Is there any piece of advice, any one piece that helped you develop as a leader that you wouldn't mind sharing? Um, yeah, I've, you know, I've gotten a lot of really good advice um, in my career, but the one that continually pops up in my mind um, that is, it's not always easiest for folks to do, but it's that you have to dare to be unpopular sometimes. Um Oftentimes, going back to kind of that theme of the desire to be collaborative and have uh, people in agreement, it's it's comfortable, but we need to address conflict uh, sometimes when it arises. Um, whether it's an organization or a person, there's a lot of things moving and changing in our work environment, in our personal lives, um, and remembering that as we're growing, as organizations grow, as, as the environment changes, that every person is going to have different experiences um, with uncertainty. So for me, I think calling out and, and being comfortable and confident um, to not be the most popular voice in the room um, for a long-term objective is something that I continue to reach back for as advice in my career. Understood. And I think that goes a long way with our listeners as well. Certainly takes even more precedent as you move forward in your career and as you get more senior within your roles. Carol, we've been going for quite a while, so I'm going to ask you one last question. And I know you and I have talked offline very much about uh, the values that TGP has and trying to bring them to life rather than them just sitting on a wall. So my question is about career choices, but influence based on on those values. So how were your career choices influenced by the values of being brilliant or doing the right thing or succeeding as one team? So coming from the healthcare space, um, I have had a, a very long opportunity to support and work with patients um, from a lot of different capacities. Um, and what I found is that there are a lot of patients out there with chronic and rare disease, which is the space I focused on. Um, and these patients oftentimes live for probably seven to 10 years, um, going from one physician to the next without a diagnosis. And sadly, once they receive that diagnosis, um, we find that these patients have a challenge getting their care covered. Um, and we have, um, you know, families out there and patients out there that have to literally fight with their insurers um, to to start therapy and to begin the journey to recovery. Um, and when I was in my early years, in my 20s, uh, working with the manufacturer, we'd hear about the patient. But um, unfortunately, there was a pretty strict red line of tape separating the manufacturer from the patient. 
So early on, I made a career decision to move for that reason, and I accepted a position with a small specialty pharmacy. Um, oftentimes, the pharmacy team would have the ability to influence outcomes for patients through work with the clinician, through authorizations, um, or simply just working with the staff of the physician to inform them on developing genetic testing, um, or perhaps there's a denial due to a medical necessity not being met, um, step therapy, et cetera. So when you think about this big picture and you look at statistically, about 70% of denials um, are because of administrative errors. So our supporting the physicians in that way was very, very impactful and rewarding. Um, we were able to partner with the clinicians on our pharmacy team were the support um, for the authorization process and, of course, informing them on the policy. Um, so we dispensed the drug, helped manage home infusion care for those patients, um, and we really looked after them. We knew all of our patients' names. Some of them were children. Some of them were elderly patients. Um, but the majority of them were struggling with multiple conditions. So um, over the, the course of my time in this role, um, each time a patient would be up for reauthorization or they would change plans at the beginning of the year, there was potential that the insurance company would come back and find a reason to deny um, or, or refuse to pay the claim um, for this very high, high cost drug. So in the coming years, I found myself negotiating with insurance companies um, and that became a large part of my role. Um, I made the decision to accept a role in managed care as the director um, over the Western region, negotiating with regional um, plans on behalf of our pharmacy for pharmacy contracting. Um, a lot of what I did, again, is working with patients that were on extremely high cost drugs. Um, an example would be a bleeding disorder, so hemophilia. Um, we worked to gain access for those patients. Um, and the goal was to get those patients a formulary exception, you know, one-time agreement um, or a single case agreement is what it's called. Um, and oftentimes it was a very lengthy process to get a rare disease drug on formulary. So this, this took the, the time pressure off the situation. It was a win-win for both sides. Um, I found that this was exceptionally rewarding for me. And, um, you know, when we look at kind of what happened to my role, um, I, I continue to enjoy my time there. But um, as we're seeing with healthcare in the space of healthcare, unfortunately, um, as we grew and became more successful, um, we were acquired. Um, we were acquired a few times, um, but most recently we were acquired by no one other than the insurance company. So we were no longer able to stand up and represent the patient in an unbiased way, from my opinion. Um, so I made the decision to shift my career focus to negotiation when this happened, because negotiation was really the driving factor to many of the managed care agreements that allowed patients access to rare and chronic um, high dollar drugs. So my aim was to work with organizations that could develop the skills for negotiators out there that are up against the big guys in healthcare. Uh, my desire was to help empower those negotiation teams, uh, the little guys, if you will, that are trying to fight for patients still. And um, that was really what brought me to the GAP Partnership. And I found since I joined the GAP Partnership that having those skills as a negotiator and roles can be crucial in every industry, even obviously outside of healthcare. And I've learned so much since I've, I've joined. So it's kind of my journey. 
That's fascinating. And as we, we bring this podcast to a close, just a massive thanks, obviously, Carol, for you taking the time out of your busy day to explain not just a bit about your career, how it ties into the values we share, but also how you've experienced advice and grown in your own capacity as a leader. And on a personal note, having been through some of those insurance companies with my own family situation, um, I very much appreciate that there are people out there that are fighting for the little guy, at which point we definitely felt like. So I'm glad there's there's Carol's out there. But again, I'm glad you're the only Carol that we have. So <laughs> it's been a, been a real pleasure. Thank you very much for joining. Absolutely. Appreciate the time. Thank you.